Well, it is time for the Word of God this morning, and as I said before, we have Pastor Andrew McGruther sharing with us. For those of you who do not know Pastor Andrew, he is the senior pastor of, with his wife Wendy, of C3 Bridgman Downs, which is just down the road, 40 minutes in North Brisbane. And uh, he, him and his wife went, Wendy run a wonderful, thriving church. If you've ever been to C3 Bridgman Downs, it's a, it's a pumping place. And uh, Pastor Andrew and Wendy are also our Queensland State Directors for C3. So technically, after Pastor John, he's kind of my boss. So be good, church. Be good this morning. No. But uh, I've actually had the honor and privilege of knowing Andrew for around 10 years. And 10 years now, I was thinking about this last night. I've known Andrew for around 10 years And one thing I love about Andrew is that he is such a genuine person. He's such a great Aussie bloke. And uh, I know this morning when he shares the Word of God, he's not just sharing some great thoughts, but he's sharing stuff that he himself lives out. So I I know this, is that when someone lives something out, I can trust them so much more. So C3 Powerhouse, let's stand to our feet. Let's welcome Pastor Andrew as he shares. Thanks, Josh. How you doing this morning, church? You doing good? Wow. So good to be here this morning. Love, I love, I love C3 Powerhouse. How many of you love your church? You love your church. And I tell you what, in Josh and Shekinah here are two of the, I'll tell you, most incredible leaders you'll find anyway. Would you give it up for Josh and Shekinah? I'm sure we've known each other for longer than 10 years. We, it, could be, it could be longer than that, but, uh, but it's been great. It's been wonderful to, to see the journey of both of these guys growing up in church and leading, and I love your team as well. We were here a couple of weeks ago. You did a, such an amazing job, church, hosting for the C3 Australia Conference. It was incredible. But I tell you what, when you come into the church here, one of the things that I noticed straight away is, is there is such a spirit of faith on this church, and that is a reflection of the people that are in the church. It's also a reflection of your amazing leaders, who I know we're enjoying a couple of weeks holiday right now, but uh, I love your pastors, John and Dan. Uh, they are two of my heroes. Uh, they're two of the biggest legends that I have had time. I mean that, like true legends. Uh, and they are wonderful leaders, wonderful people. And uh, I love it. And I'll tell you what, this morning, it's Corey, isn't it? What a story this morning, Corey. Can we give it up for Corey? That was incredible. Love that. Love that. Love hearing stories of people's lives being transformed. That's awesome. Hey, before you grab your seat, so I've got one mission for you to do. I want you just to turn to at least three people this morning and just tell them they are ridiculously good looking. Would you do that this morning? That's the words I want you to use. Ridiculously good looking. Three people. I know for some of you this morning, hopefully that's not a statement of faith. Just tell them they're ridiculously good looking. You can do it. And you know what? What a great way to meet someone new just by saying those words. Hopefully it wasn't a statement of faith this morning for anyone. Hey, can we just give it up for our worship team this morning? Thanks, guys. You're an awesome job. Going to get you guys back a little bit later on. Fantastic. I want to put a little disclaimer right now just to start with. I may perhaps be walking a little bit gingerly along the stage. I just started a couple of weeks ago playing in an over-35s basketball competition. How many of you know there's no greater way to know that you're over 35 than to play in an over 35s 
basketball competition. And the thing about you notice about being over 35, if you're under 35, you won't know what I'm talking about this morning. But if you're over 35 here this morning, you'll know it's not the injury that you get during the game. It's the one you wake up with the next morning that you didn't even realize that you had. I woke up, I played Thursday night. I was like, I'm fine. I played really well. It was a great game. Woke up Friday morning and I was like, I couldn't walk up the stairs. My knee, I was like, you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful there's seven days between each game because that's approximately how long it takes me to recover. The funniest bit though, we were reuniting. We were actually reuniting with, uh, with guys I played basketball with at school. So I'm going to give away my age here and say it's 29 years since I've seen some of these guys. And we came together. And so one of the guys who was organizing this basketball reunion uh, decided he'd go full tilt. And he's got like all of the, like, the uniforms ordered. So I'll, I'll go back in, in an era here. We had like USA Dream Team uniforms ready, supposedly ready to go for the first game. But there was a problem with supplier. So no uniform showed up. So the guy on the way to the first game has pulled in at Kmart, bought 10 Bond singlets. And we start, we literally, as we're starting the game, we've got the 10 Bond singlets on. And then we realize we have to have numbers. So we're there before the game masking, taping numbers to each other. This is our first game. And the other team that we're playing, the opposition, is there in the full LA Lakers kit. They're ready to go. But you know what it was? It was about lulling them into a false sense of security. We took it to them, I tell you, that game. They were shocked. They couldn't believe it that the Kmart Bond singlet boys actually gave them a run for their money. So it was awesome. But uh, we're, we're, we're three games in. We're doing okay. We've got one win, two close losses, but it's, uh, it's doing well. But hey, uh, listen, let's tell me a little bit about uh, my story with church. You know, I first, I love the story about, you know, uh, just heard before from Corey, that was awesome. But, uh, you know, when, for me, I first started going uh, to church, I first started going to C3 church when uh, I was 18 years old. And uh, I had actually had a traditional church upbringing. And so my idea of church was very different to what we're experiencing this morning. Uh, I had experience with a lot of religion and tradition uh, I knew a lot of rote prayers that I needed to pray. Uh, I had an experience of religion. Uh, but for church, for me growing up, always represented something that was very formal, something that was very somber, something that was very serious. And so when my parents or I always used to say on Sunday, it's time to go to church. I don't know if you know the scripture where it says, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house. I was mad when they said to me, let's go to church. And then when they made me go, I was sad when they said to me that it was time to go to church. It, it just, it, it, it didn't have that connection point. But when I was 18 years old, uh, a friend of mine who'd recently given his heart to Christ, and I didn't even know that, and actually invited me to church. And uh, how many of you know we should be thankful to our God for having friends like that in our life that would bring us to church. I'd never actually heard of C3. I'd never heard of even what a Pentecostal church was. I'm pretty sure I must have been living under a rock at the time. Uh, but uh, I walked into the building, and I remember the first moment I came into our church. Never forget it. And I'll tell you why I remember it, because the place was alive. The people on the front door were smiling. I looked around, and unlike any other experience I'd had at church before, everyone was happy to be there. Uh, when I came into the church, it was like the music was really good. That astounded me. There were people singing. There were people that were lifting their hands in worship. 
when people prayed in the service, it was so different from what I'd known before. There wasn't rote prayers being prayed, but there was a sense of this, this, this real, authentic, genuine prayers that were being prayed. I remember the preacher that was there that morning. His name was Pastor Gordon Moore. He was preaching in that stuff. The preacher was awesome, a little bit like this morning. And he, that's what you call fishing for a compliment. But I remember that preaching because it was like, again, unlike anything I'd experienced because, you know what, the preaching actually was, was powerful. The preaching was from someone who had a conviction in their heart about what they were saying. And, and I looked around and everyone who was serving in church was smiling and enthusiastic. And I, I tell you what happened in that moment when I came to church that first time as an 18-year-old is I was moved by the passion that I experienced in that place. The passion that I sensed in the church uh, impacted me powerfully. And I couldn't believe, and this was my thought as an 18-year-old, I couldn't believe that the Christian faith could look like that. I actually couldn't believe that the church could look like that. And what impacted me, what surprised me, and what no doubt astounded me, was seeing a church that was filled with people who had this passion for God. And it wasn't a church where people were just going through the motions. It was, a, it was a church filled with people who had this passionate, on-fire spirituality. Their, their faith was tangible. I felt like in that place that, that there was an atmosphere that I'd entered into that I hadn't been into before. In fact, I'd say this, prior to that first time I came into church, the only other time I'd experienced that kind of passion before was at a football game. But to see an experience where actually people had this passion and this, this love and this devotion to God, it was incredible. To see people worshiping God, serving God with this passion in their hearts, it impacted me powerfully. And you know what? From that very first service, I started coming back week after week. And God began to just change my heart. God, in, the, in this place that unlike anything I'd ever experienced before, He began to move in my life. Jesus came into my life. And, and over those few weeks, He saved me, healed me, changed me. He delivered me. He began to do this work in my life. And literally, I went overnight from a, a young adult who was never going to church to now I was this young adult who was going to church twice on a Sundays. I was going to connect group through the week. And I tell you, it wasn't because I had discovered that there was a duty I wanted to follow. I'd actually discovered that there was a passion and a joy that actually came alive on the inside of me when I connected with God, but also when I was influenced by the passion and the faith of the people that were around me. And it was actually only later on in my Christian journey that I came to understand that this kind of passionate spirituality was actually something that those who founded our church both deeply believed in and most intentionally about making sure was in the heart of the church. It was a distinctive about our church. And I actually believe that that very distinctive of a church that's filled with people who are passionate in their love for God has been one of the most important reasons that God has blessed this church, C3 Powerhouse. It's why this church has grown and seen so many lives, just like we heard this morning, impacted by the love and the grace of Jesus. But here's what I've discovered also after following Jesus for about 27 years, and that's this, that passion for God is not always automatic. We have to regularly reset our passion. We have to reset our heart and our devotion to God. In fact, you know, Jesus gave a warning in Scripture. He said, you know what? Even as believers, we can lose this passion for God. In Matthew 15, 18, he said this, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. 
Jesus was saying, you know what, on the outside, they're saying all the right things. But on the inside, their hearts are not passionate anymore. And he said, they worship me in vain. In other words, he says, they've just begun to go through the motions. They've lost the joy. They've lost the life they once had. But I love scripture because it's, it reminds us of this, that even if we lose our passion, even if we've lost some of our spark, even if we've lost some of that inner fire within us, we can find it again. In Romans 12 verse 11, it says this, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. You know, the Bible says this, when it comes to serving God, there's only one way that you and I can do it. It says, don't be lacking in zeal. You know that word zeal? If it literally means this. It means white hot. White hot. You know what I googled? Because that's what you do. I googled the word white hot. Do you know what came up when you google the words white hot? No, I didn't go there. Don't worry. What Google came up with white hot was actually, it took me to some other pages. It took me to these ones that were about scientific matters. And it talked about types of flames. Do you know the types of flames? I didn't know this. I'm, I'm, not, very, I'm not a very scientific person. Do you know what it talks about types of flames? It talks about the fact that actually there were many different types of flames and each of these types of flames had an intensity of heat. So that when you start a fire and you have an orange flame, that's like the lowest heat that you can have. It then moves to a red flame and then the intensity begins to get a little bit higher. The temperature begins to go up. Then it moves to a blue flame. And we probably remember that from science class, perhaps in biology, you have the blue flame over the Bunsen burner. But then the highest type of temperature that you can extract from a flame is white hot. The scripture here is saying this, when it says keep your spiritual fervor, it's saying let your passion for serving God, for worshiping God be white hot. He's saying don't let your heart grow lukewarm, don't let your heart grow cold. And maybe you're here this morning and maybe for you today, some of that fire that you had or you once had for God has lost its fervor. Have you ever been camping before and you, you begin to start a fire? How many of you know a fire left unattended will very quickly die out? What happens with a fire is you need to keep on putting fuel on that fire. You need to keep on putting wood on that fire in order to keep its fervor. Can I tell you, our passion for God is exactly the same. If we leave our passion for God unattended for too long, a fervent fire can quickly become just some flickering embers that are left. And I know maybe for some of you here today, maybe you feel like your passion for God has gone the same way. Maybe that some of your fire has lost its fervor. You know what, maybe you're feeling a little tired. Maybe you come here this morning, you're feeling a little weary. Maybe you're feeling even discouraged this morning. I'll tell you what, this morning I'm on a mission today that the Holy Spirit would light a fire on the inside of you again. That that passion and fervency we have to serve God and worship God would be white hot. Because I'm telling you this morning, the Christian life was meant to be lived out with passion. And I believe the Bible is clear that actually there are things that you and I are to have a passion for. And I want to tell you this morning, I actually believe after studying a scripture that God has a top three of things that He wants you and I to keep our spiritual fervor for, to keep our passion alive for. And so I want to give you those this morning. Are you ready? Turn to the person beside you and say, I'm ready. Here's the first one. And I want to talk about resetting our passion. These are three things we need to reset our passion for regularly. Here's the first one. I believe God wants you and I to have a passion for praise. A passion for praise. You know what? Uh, in, a, in a day back long ago, I was once on the worship team at our church. I did not expect there to be laughter on the front rows. That's, 
The rest of you are in stunned silence. Yes, they were difficult days in the life of our church. Not many male vocalists around. I'm pretty convinced I was the guy. I was the guy who was on the side. I had a microphone, but the microphone was off. I was, I was pretty much just there for my good looks, I'm sure. But thank you, Pastor Jeremy. But you know what? For the six months that I actually was on stage as a backing vocalist, Jeremy, remember those days? He would. For the six months that I was on stage, I had to go to music rehearsal. And so actually it was at these rehearsals, these, these nights, I actually learned a lot about worship. And our music pastors, our music directors taught me a lot about worship. I was a pretty young Christian. And I remember some of the things they said. They said things like this, worship is more than just singing a song. That was a new thought to me. They said, worship is actually the expression of our devotion and our love for Jesus. And they said things like, worship is actually being on stage and worshiping God. It's not just about being the best singer. How many of you know that was a relief for me in that moment? It was actually about worshiping God with our whole heart, with enthusiasm and passion. Do you know in the book of Psalms in the Bible, there's actually about 150 Psalms or songs, which are basically, they're all praise and worship songs to God. You know, all throughout those Psalms, it's just filled with these encouraging words to believers to say things like this, basically to praise and worship God with passion. There are things like this, clap your hands, shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. My favorite, though, would have to be this one. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. You know what? Can anyone make it up? Because here's what I believe God's saying in that moment. I don't care if you can't even sing in tune. Just make a joyful noise in that moment. How many of you this morning had someone beside you making a joyful noise to the Lord, if you get my drift? Can I give you a tip, though? If someone beside you is making a joyful noise to the Lord, the best thing that you can do is just sing louder than them. You won't even hear them anyway. But I love how the Bible says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. But I love what David said. David said this about praising God. He says, praise the Lord. In Psalm 103, he says, praise the Lord, my soul. With all my inmost being, I will praise His holy name. You know what he's saying? He's saying, this is how we're to praise our God. He's saying, we're going to praise God with our soul. Our soul is our emotions. It's our will. Praise is not some sterile experience. He's saying, I'll praise God with my emotions, with with my passion, with my heart. He says, with everything that is within me, everything that's within my inmost being, I'm going to praise His holy name. In other words, I believe this, the translation is that if David's saying this, this is how we're to praise our God with all our inmost being. In other words, if we've got three songs to sing in church, let's hold nothing back. Let's worship Jesus with everything that we've got. You know, one of my heroes in the Bible is definitely King David. I, I love King David. I, lo- I love reading everything about King David's life. The guy was a passionate worshiper of God. No doubt about it. He also, interestingly enough, probably had of everyone in the Old Testament, had the greatest favor of God on his life as well. You know what God said to David? He says to David, my covenant with you, David, is everlasting. Didn't say it to anyone else. And I believe this, that God actually honored David for one reason. Not because he was perfect, but most certainly because he was passionate in his devotion and worship of God. There's a great story about David, and they're bringing the ark back to Jerusalem. They'd actually lost the ark. The ark represented the presence of God. They'd lost the ark. They'd lost the presence of God. They'd found it. It'd actually been taken from them. They'd finally got it back. Now was the time for them to bring this ark back to Jerusalem. And so it was a journey of 13 kilometers to bring the ark back to Jerusalem. Now, David was fired up. 
about getting the ark back. He was fired up about the presence of God. And so what he did, for the, for, and he was part of this crew, for those people who were transporting the ark back, he actually made an order. The order that he made was this, was that every six steps that they took, they were to stop, make a sacrifice, and begin to praise God. Can I just translate this for you? For a 13-kilometer journey, they stopped every six steps to sacrifice and worship God. I'm not great at maths, but I did some calculations. That means that two and a half or over two and a half thousand times, they stopped on their journey back to Jerusalem to worship God. How many of you know, David might have been a little bit passionate about worshiping God. You know, when they finally got to Jerusalem, David was with them. David was celebrating and praising God with such passion. In fact, he drew a lot of people's attention, including his wife, Micah. And she was not impressed. She was not impressed by the, how passionate his, his worship and praise was. And the Bible says this, Micah says these words in 2 Samuel, says, how the king has distinguished himself today. Insert sarcasm. David's response was fascinating. She's basically taking him to, to task to say, you know, this, this, the way you're worshiping God, the way you're praising God, it's far too over the top. David says this, it was before the Lord that I did this. He's like, I wasn't doing this for you anyway, Micah. Then he says these words, he says, I will celebrate before the Lord and I will become even more undignified than this. You know what I love David? Because he doesn't back down an inch. David's like, you know what? You ain't seen nothing yet, Micah. He says, I will celebrate before the Lord. You know what I reckon David was saying? David was saying, Micah, you missed something here. He says, I reckon David was saying this, God deserves all the praise. God deserves all the worship. God deserves all the glory I can give him. I was a shepherd boy and he came into my life and he saved me. He changed me. He's transformed my life. He's done all of these things. And he's saying, hey, Micah, there is only one way I know to praise and worship God. And that's with passion in my heart. You know, there's a story about a town in the U.S., and uh, this town has an Air Force base that was st stationed outside this small town. And the problem of having an Air Force base outside this small town is as people were driving out of the town, they would often have these jets that would fly across and make all kinds of a racket, all kinds of noise. And so what ended up happening was people began to complain about the noise until someone had a genius idea, and that was to put up this billboard that was straight out in front of the Air Force base. And the words of this billboard were this. It says, pardon the noise, but this is the sound of freedom. Pardon the noise, but this is the sound of freedom. I love the heart behind this. Do you know what? The complaint stopped. But I love the heart behind this because I actually believe it's the same response that we should give to anyone who might even come into a church like ours and maybe feel that we're a little bit too full on in how we worship and praise God around here. It's like, sorry, pardon my noise as I praise my God, but I was actually once a sinner. I was, I was set for destruction. I was on a road where I was going nowhere when my God stepped into my life and Jesus changed me. He healed me. He saved me. And so pardon my noise, but actually this is the sound of someone who's experienced the freedom and love of Jesus. And I believe this, our God deserves the best and the highest praise that I can give Him. 
and nothing less will do. The first thing God wants us to be passionate about, He wants us to be passionate about praise. Here's the second thing I believe in God's top three. The second thing God wants us to be passionate about as believers is that we're to be passionate about prayer. God wants you and I to have a passion for prayer. I love Psalm 65 verse 5. One of the the scriptures I pray. It says this, You faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds. I love that scripture. Do you know God's faithful? He says here in scripture, I'm faithful to answer your prayers. But I love it. The scripture goes further than that. God says, not only am I faithful to answer the prayers that you pray, God says, I want to answer them with awesome deeds. And I just feel like this morning, there's some people here today. And I want to give you this encouragement this morning. I believe that God would say to you this morning, I I believe that the Holy Spirit would speak to you this morning and just remind you of this, that it's never too late for God to do a miracle. Why do we pray? Because it's never too late for God to do a miracle. You know, sometimes in life, we can find ourselves in a place where we've lost hope, where we're going, God, nothing's changing here. God, I've prayed about this before. The situation still looks the same as it always did. But I want to tell you this morning, it's never too late for your God to do a miracle in your life. You know, a few Sundays back in our church service, we have an online community as well. One of the ladies in our church, her name is Tracy. She had to work that morning. And uh, in the middle of her work, she had a break, a morning tea break. And so on her morning tea break, she ended up um, hopping on her phone, switching on the online service, and she began to watch the online service. And at the start of the message, I had a word, and I said, I feel like this morning that uh, someone's coming into this service this morning, and you have a very sharp pain right now in your ear, and that God's going to heal you this morning. And so in that service, we prayed in that moment. What I didn't realize was on the other end of the online service in that moment, that Tracy was there, and she'd actually come to work that morning with this incredibly sharp pain in her ear. And she said later on, she told us this story in church. She said, when I heard that word that morning, she said, I put the earphones in, but it was so painful. I, I was, everything was fighting me just to take him out because the pain was so bad. He says, when I heard that word, it was like God just quickened this thing in my heart. He says, that's for you, Tracy. And she said, for the next 20 minutes, he says, I sat down. He says, I was in the lunchroom on my own. But I sat down quietly and for the next 20 minutes, I just began to pray. She said, like I've never prayed before. And I began to claim my healing. And she said, for 20 minutes, I just prayed and prayed and prayed, thanking God for my healing. She said, after 20 minutes, she says, all the pain left and God completely healed me in that moment. And Tracy discovered that our God's a God who's faithful to answer our prayers with awesome deeds. But here's the postscript to that story. You know, I talked to Tracy later on. I said, Tracy, how long had you been having this pain? How long have you been suffering with with ear condition? And I thought she was going to say a couple of days. And she said to me, Andrew, it's been years. Years I'm battling this. In fact, I'd got to a point where I'd almost given up hope that anything would change. But I love it. Can I tell you this morning? One moment in the presence of God, one heartfelt, one genuine prayer, and God began to shift things and change things in her life. Because I want to encourage you this morning, it's never too late for God to do a miracle. Never too late. And I tell you, there are places in our lives that can seem lifeless, that can seem dead, that can seem barren. But I want to encourage you this morning, they can be resurrected by God's power when we pray. You know, there's a story 
that I read recently. Fascinating story. It's about a place called Lake Eyre. It's in South Australia. It's actually Australia's biggest lake when it's full. Some of you may have been there before. But actually, Lake Eyre is rarely full. In fact, last time Lake Eyre was full was back in 1974. For the last 40 years, most of the time, Lake Eyre looked like this. Have we got that photo we can show them? That's what Lake Eyre looks like. Most part of the last 40 years, it's actually one of the hottest, driest places in, a ho- in the whole of Australia. Lake Eyre is actually a salt basin. It's barren. Nothing grows there. It looks like a desert. And I tell you what, when you walk across it, most of the time it looks dead. But in March 2019, a weather pattern happened. And in the space of a few weeks, rivers of water began streaming into Lake Eyre. And so in March 2019, Lake Eyre reached a peak not seen in over 30 years. And this is what Lake Eyre looked like. What happened was the desert of Lake Eyre began to bloom with green. It looked amazing. Hundreds of native plants began to spring to life. And in fact, thousands of birds began to fly into the area. And here's the thought. What the rain showed was actually that Lake Eyre wasn't dead. It was dormant. It had potential. Right beneath the surface of something that looks so desolate, something that looks so barren, right beneath the surface of something that looks so dead, there were seeds under the surface waiting for a resurrection. And all it needed, all it needed was for a moment of life to happen. And I'm telling you this morning, that moment of life that happens is always a moment of prayer. I want to encourage you this morning, never underestimate the power of one heartfelt, one genuine prayer. And I know for some people here this morning, there are areas in your life, maybe that you've been walking through, that you felt a barren, that you felt a desolate, that you felt like, man, these things, there's no life in here. But I'm telling you this morning, underneath the surface of those things, there are seeds. I believe there's seeds of the promises of God. There's seeds of the Word of God. They're waiting under the surface for a moment of life to happen. And so resurrection can come because our God, is a God who can bring the dead back to life. If you agree this morning, let's give our God a great hand. God wants you and I to know that His resurrection power goes to work when we pray. And here's the third thing God wants us to have a passion for. He wants us to have a passion for praise. He wants us to have a passion, most certainly, for prayer. But the third thing God wants us to have a passion for, and I'd like to get the the musos up here this morning, the third thing God wants us to have a passion for, well, listen, I've said it's the third thing. I've said it's the, the, the last thing that I'm giving you today, but I want you to know this. I actually believe that this is number one on God's list. If you want to put it this way, I think I've saved what I believe is God's best for last. You see, God wants us to have a passion for prayer. That's so close to God's heart. God wants us to have a passion for praise. But I believe this, that the, the passion that is closest, that is most central to the heart of God is a passion for people. I want to tell you this morning, wherever you are, God just doesn't love you. God so loves you. You know, the scripture says this, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I want to tell you this morning, Jesus is passionate in his love, for every single human being. God loves the lost. God loves the hurting. 
God loves the broken. God loves, God loves every person who's run away from Him. God, God loves every single person. You know, Jesus is passionate in His love for you, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what life has thrown at you, no matter how difficult it seems like the world around you is right now, can I tell you, God so loves you. He is for you. He loves every single person. Do you know that's why Jesus died on the cross? That's why Jesus died on the cross. On the cross, what we see is God's love and passion for every single person. Do you know what? When people saw the cross, the only way that they could describe that kind of love that God had was to call it the passion of the cross. The, the only way the people who were eyewitnesses could, could describe the kind of love that God has for every single human being that we see displayed on the cross is to call it the passion of the cross. Because God is passionate in His love for us. Our Next Steps pastors the other day were talking to me about the Alpha course that they're running right now. They've got a bunch of people online, including the parents of a, a lady who recently gave her heart to Christ. And they haven't even been to church yet, but they're on Alpha, which is really cool. And this is a couple in their early 60s. And they've just done the third session, I think it is, of Alpha, where it talks about faith and the love of God. And I asked him, I said, how'd it go? He says, oh, amazing. He said, this guy, he was a man in his 60s. He said he was so moved, so moved. No, no church background at all. And you know what he said to them at the end of the, the session they'd done with Alpha? Just hearing about the love of God. He said this, he says, I've gone my whole life and I've never realized that there was someone who loved me with a love that is greater than the one that I have for my children. He says, it's extraordinary that God would love me like that. He says, I can't believe I've lived my whole life not knowing, not realizing that there was a God who loved me like that. God is passionate in His love for people. And church, I believe this. We need to make sure that God's passion is our passion. Church, we are called as a church to be light in the darkness. We are called as a church to point people to Jesus. And I'm telling you, church is never meant to be a club for Christians. Church is called to be a search and rescue organization. Reaching out with that love for those around us. Would you close your eyes wherever you are, all across this place? Maybe you're here today. Maybe you've never encountered that love before. You say, what's being a Christian about? Is it, is it about, you know, following certain regulations, following certain laws? No, it's not. Actually being a Christian, becoming a believer in Christ is really discovering for yourself the love that God has personally for you. Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're online watching right now. And maybe you've never made that decision before to invite Christ into your life. Or maybe you're here today and you've once made that decision. You've once had that connection with God, but you know that you've drifted away. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're just not sure. You don't have a, a confidence in your salvation. You're not sure that if you were to die, whether you would go to heaven. And I tell you this morning, wherever you are today, all across this place or online, you are only ever one decision, one moment, one prayer away from encountering the love of Christ for yourself. 
God is not far off. God is here this morning. And in one step, one moment, one prayer, our life can change because we've experienced a love like no other. We've started a relationship with a God who not only created us, but the Bible says who loved us so much that he died for us. If that's you here this morning, just in a moment from now, I'd love to include you on a prayer to invite Christ into your life. Or maybe you're here this morning in a moment. We're going to pray a prayer all together. I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hand and say, yes, that's me this morning. Then you can put it down. I'd love to include you as well on this prayer this morning to reconnect in relationship with God. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're saying in your heart this morning, you know what? That passion, that, that desire, that heart I once had for God, I, I've drifted away, but God, I'm coming back this morning. And if that's you here this morning, I believe in a moment from now as we pray this prayer together, there's going to be an incredible moment of connection between you and God. When you pray that prayer, asking God to forgive you, but also inviting Christ into your life. And just right now, where every eye is closed across this place and no one's looking around, if that's you here this morning, you're saying, yes, pastor, would you include me on that prayer here this morning? Just very quickly slip your hand up and say, yes, that's me this morning. And I can see it and then you can put it down. If that's you this morning, you're saying, God, this morning, I want to come back to you. Thank you, buddy, over there. I can see your hand. That's awesome. Who else is here this morning and you're inviting Christ in your life? Maybe you're saying here this morning in these moments right now, you're saying, God, I need to come back to you right now. God, I need to reconnect in relationship with you. I'd love to include you on a prayer this morning. Who is that this morning? And you're coming back to him today. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, what we're going to do right now, maybe you're online this morning. You could just click on one of those links right now. But what we're going to do is we're going to say this prayer all together. Would you say these words after me? Say, Jesus, I come to you and I give you my life. I believe that you died for me and that you rose again. Forgive me of my sins and wash me clean and make me new. Today, I decide to follow you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. And everyone said, hey, come on, church. Let's, let's give a big hand this morning. That's awesome. Wonderful. And if you're online this morning, if you're in person, if you, if you slipped your hand up this morning to say yes to Jesus, can I tell you this morning, you're filled this morning with a crowd of people who are celebrating with you this morning. Come on, let's give a big hand to those people who said yes to Jesus this morning. And we'd love to connect with you after the service as well. Hey, church, before I hand back, I love you right now. Would you stand up to your feet all across this place? And i uh, tell you what, we love our online community, don't we? Also as well, Pastor Teresa, I know she's up there ready to go with her online community. And so, hey, online community, you are amazing. I'm going to hand you over to your online Pastor Teresa this morning as the church gives you a big hand as well. Thank you, online community, for joining us in the service here. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Hey, listen, right now, all across this place, would you reach your hands out towards God this morning? You know what? I believe this this morning, that you, maybe you've come here today and you're saying, hey, God, today I need to reset my passion for God. Maybe you've come this morning and you're feeling discouraged. Maybe you come this morning, you felt a little bit defeated. Maybe you've come here this morning, you're like, God, this morning, I, I need to find my spiritual fervor again. Can I tell you how you do that? It's not 10 steps. It's not even five steps. I love this scripture in Psalm 145. It says this. It says, The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. 
know what the Bible says when the Lord comes near? When you and I begin to call on the name of Jesus. The Bible says if we do that in truth, in other words, saying, God, hey, right now, God, I need you right now to fan in the flame. God, the passion and, and desire and fervor for you. God, this morning I'm coming to you and saying, God, today, ignite that fire within me. Holy Spirit, fan that flame into me. If that's you this morning, you're saying, hey, God, today, I want you to, God, today, to reset the passion of my heart. Just lift your hands up right now all across this place. We're going to begin to pray right now all across this church. I want every voice to be lifted up towards God right now. Let's begin to pray. God, we thank you this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that God, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Heavenly Father, today, God, I thank you, Lord God, that you are moving, God, all across, God, every heart, every life this morning. Father, I pray right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, all across this place, God, that you would fan in the flame the gift of God that is within us. Holy Spirit, right now, God, we begin to call on your name, God. We begin, Lord, to cry out to you this morning. God, we begin, Lord, to, we, to lift up our voices this morning. We begin to give you praise and glory and honor. And hey, church, right now, come on. I want you to give a mighty, mighty shout of praise this morning. He's awesome. He's awesome. He's a good God. He's a good God. Hey, church, come on this morning. Who's ready to step into their week? Reset passion. Let's have a passion for prayer. Let's have a passion for praise. And let's have a passion for people in our hearts. And if you love Jesus this morning, come on. Let's give him a great, great hand of praise this morning. He's awesome. Thank you, Pastor Jeremy.